Good evening, and welcome to the Hourglass with Isabella. I'm here with my guest and co-host, Daniel McShan. Good evening. And today we're going to be discussing and talking about the universe and all of the wonders within. Pretty vast topic, right? Small topic. Daniel's looking at me like that's a vast topic. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you an opening question here. If you if you had to describe, let's say you had someone come up to you and they said, Tell me what do you think the universe is in a few sentences or less? What would you what would you say? Do you want <clears throat> do you want the mystical answer or do you want the, the physical answer? I don't know, are you feeling more mystical or physical today? I like I like well, you know, so I was recently thinking about this. I I like thinking about the universe as if it were a tapestry. And imagine that mm. uh, as every particle goes through time, it makes a string, a thread. Like a woven right? thread, and then yeah. It, and then the universe is basically a blanket. A, a weaving, a blanket. <laughs> it's a giant blanket, that's right. A starry Obviously blanket. Obviously in more dimensions, you know, we don't, we don't usually have three-dimensional tapestries, but... You know that would be that would be the concept. That's that's I think that's super beautiful and a great a great way to put it, honestly. And uh, my next question for you, because you are you are actually a scientist, are you not? You work you worked for NASA, so he is a rocket scientist. Yeah. Among other things. Among he actually has many talents and traits. Yeah, that we shan't go into in this particular podcast. But my next question for you, for people listening, is one: I think we can all agree if you're listening to us, you are in the universe with us so you're in this universe and we are present in this together something I always struggled with growing up in school you'd always hear about the big bang and I never really could wrap my head around it can you tell us what I mean what do you think the big bang is so I think I think it's important that you're not alone nobody actually knows okay great what, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things about um you know the the models of the universe that we have is that they do they do break down. There are limits right. to them, and so the Big Bang is 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 a limit. We don't know what happens before because nothing happens before. We don't have we don't have physics for what happened before. How that. how do we know it happened at all? So it's as if you it's as if we're we're making measurements in the universe and we project back and we can just right. like just like if you you know if you if you if you're in a bowling alley and and you see pins knocked down. You can probably infer, you know, where the bowling ball came from that knocked them down. Okay. So basically we make measurements. We, we, we see that things are moving away from each other at a certain rate. We can tell this because they, their spectrum shift. And we predict then, we, we, back, we look backwards. And it, and it basically goes back to, a, we believe, a point. Um, but as for what it was like or what happened before it, uh, there's, there's, there's really, right. there's really no, know. yeah, we don't, we don't know is the answer. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty, which I know you are too, actually. It's Definitely. quite a fun animation and something they feature in it a lot is the concept of parallel universes. Do you believe in parallel universes? So it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I think that, um, you know, parallel universes come actually from the theory it's not like people just posited it and then and then try to do the math around it what, what ends up happening is that we do a certain type of experiment and and we find that that there are some very odd results and so we don't have a right. good explanation for it in the standard model um so uh you know the classic example would be the the schrodinger's cat i love right? i love schrodinger's cat it. it's, it's very it's a, is it there it, or it is it good, not it's both 
in, in which in, in, well, in do you, how about for, a, listen, for listeners that yeah, don't know I'll tell the experiment so basically yeah. the, the concept is that you you have a cat in a box and you have a small vial of uh, some sort of poison and the idea is that that the the release of this poison is going to be dictated by a, a quantum event so you know uh, a particle decaying something along these lines um, and and then the the point is that that until you actually observe it, it actually lives in this uh, superposition, is what we call it. So the cat is Marched actually both. both alive and dead at once, simultaneously. So the the parallel universe idea comes up in in the concept that well, it's just both, right? And right. We just, it, it just ends up being both, and so for every quantum event, just the universe right, and and you don't know until you open that box and definitively at that moment right. the cat becomes alive or dead. Which is when you think about it, strangely, it sounds almost sci-fi and. It is actual science. That's a scientific right. theory. Right, and, and, and it very well may be sci-fiction. I mean, when you think about it in yeah. terms of what that actually means, oh. it's science yeah. fiction. It is a story that we're telling to explain these strange results that come out of our equations and, and the experiments that we did do. You ever, uh, did you ever watch the TV show called Sliders? I did, yes. Yes, it was basically a TV show. I think it was like late 90s. Mm-hmm. And it was basically about these this group of people, and they were kept sliding through these different parallel universes, uh, trying to basically get back home. But it was a fascinating topic for a TV show. And on that line, recently, I d- you guys have probably seen a lot of times recently, they've been sharing this article, and there's this concept where these scientists think that they've discovered a parallel universe next to ours, but the difference is it runs backwards. So you, your life would start at your death, kind of so like Benjamin I, I, Button. <laughs> what so do you I, think? I don't. I don't know. Okay, so so that story was definitely overblown and, and sensationalized. Okay, at okay. the end of the day, what happens in science, and this happens a lot, right? And this is what's exciting about it is that we get results that we can't explain. So they made some measurements about some neutrinos in Antarctica, um, and and yeah, they couldn't explain it. They don't have they don't have the physics to explain it. And, and so it just kind of there, there's there. a lot of things in the universe that we just can't explain aren't there yeah that's right and 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 in this case we don't we don't even have good confidence in the data right so until we can actually reproduce the data uh, and reproduce the experiment it, 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 it could just be an anomaly it could be but, a, an know, error entertain me for a moment and if you if you lived in this parallel universe where your life ran backwards I mean, what, well, even, what would even, you think of that? Because my I don't, fear... I don't actually know what that would even mean. My, my, my fear would be that you would, A, know everything upon your death, which would sort of be your birth. You'd be going backwards with the knowledge that eventually you'd have to crawl back inside your mother in a hospital, which would be terrifying, so, almost worse than death, actually. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have a, I have a, a suspicion that, that such in such a universe... Uh, life as we know it would would not be able to exist. That's interesting. That, that fundamentally, entropy and 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 the the laws of thermodynamics, um, you know, would not allow things you know to to evolve into the complexity that they need to. Right. All that basically would happen is you would have this you know you know large amount of of perhaps organization uh, of something, and then it, and then it would fraction it, and it would and it would you know. It would devolve, if you will. It, 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 things would go to a, a higher entropy state, which would be or a higher uh, energy state uh, and a lower entropy state. So it's a very, it's a very complex it's sort, very of, comp- sort of thing. It's very complex, yeah. And, and, I, and I don't know. I mean, the, the reality is that the, the our understanding of biological life uh, requires 
particular set of you know parameters and how the universe needs to work. And I don't think that we have any concept of what that would look like if time ran backwards and, and all of the, the implications thereof. Do you, do you think that the universe is conscious? Well, so, I mean, you could make the argument that the universe itself is consciousness. Right, Not and that, that we're, we're experiencing that, ourselves. That, that, exactly. Yes, that, that I like that, that very... That, that this is, you know, this is all, you know, consciousness. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when you ask these, these larger questions, sometimes it's helpful to ask the smaller questions. You know, are you conscious? Right? Right. I just So we're actually going to have a whole episode dedicated just to consciousness no this is the universe so we're having a whole episode dedicated to consciousness i was just asking do you think the universe itself Mm -hmm. might be conscious and now in in that same line of thought we're going to get a little more spiritual here and a little more into into a more metaphysical mindset here and um do you think here's the next question do you think when when people take mind-altering substances because you often i've heard many of my friends say this where they have taken something and they truly believe that suddenly they know the universe or that they are more in tune with the universe. Do you think there's something, I'm actually saying in a scientific way, in these drugs where you take it where you are more aware of it or is it changing something in your brain to alter how you perceive the universe? Right, it's a fine question. There, there's a story from back in the in the 60s where... Is it a Timothy uh, Leary one? I don't know if it's a Timothy Leary <laughs> story, but basically the you know the, the guy is, he's going to sit in Zazen, he's sitting in meditation mm-hmm. um, in, in his Zen uh, uh, monastery or whatever. And, and he, and you know, he's, he's on LSD and he's, and mm-hmm. he's totally, you know, and he, and he reaches enlightenment and then he, and then he walks out. He just gets up and walks out of, of the practice. And the, the monk then, then comes to him and, and in, and in very, you know, I think it's very douchey fashion, mm-hmm. whispers into his ear and says, yes, but is it real? <laughs> that is a kind of douchey <laughs> so, answer. So I think what it is, is that obviously, you know, many people who, who have these experiences in the moment very much feel like they, that they've understood something or, or, or that they've, they've come to these, these sort of enlightenment moments. And then they rapidly sort of fall back. And then and the question, I think, is, you know, in that, you know... But you would admit there does seem to be a link with drugs with it. And it doesn't matter whether it's Robert Anton Wilson or Alan Watts, right? There does seem to be this underlying theme. And it also goes hand in hand with Tibetan kind of Buddhism and monasteries. And it was this but, but popular as, 70, even Timothy Leary. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, no, do you think no it was just... The very, the very nature was, of psychedelic is, is, is that. Is, do you think it was the same as in the Victorian era where they just had that wave of occultism in the late 1800s and seances were a fad? Was with the 70s and the 60s and the new druggies, so, the enlightenment, did it come from that? Yeah, so, I mean, it definitely did. And I, and I think part of it is, is understanding that, you know... In the last 100, 150 years, there, there's been a great expansion of the human experience that, you know, if you were to go back, you know, prior to 1850, you know, life, life was kind of the same as it always had been. There wasn't a whole lot of, you know, industrialization or anything that really made things change. And then all of a sudden the Industrial Revolution comes along and we right. have machines. Massive change, right? yeah. And, and those machines then allow us to do things. And not only that, cultures intertwine. And so what ends up happening is that, you know, you have, you have your, your, your British Empire taking over India and, and learning all about Indian philosophies. And all of a sudden, all these new things come in, these new ideas. Right. Do we, do we know, like with Alan Watts and such, I mean, 
They went out and discovered it. They obviously had teachers and people. So they, they didn't discover like anything. Like Rinpoche all, all, all and stuff. Up, all they ended up doing was was. But was they learned was going, from absolutely, others absolutely. who were there in Tibet, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. And so they they would actually go out and 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 because all of a sudden you know travel made it easier to do so and 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 the world civilization made it easier to do so. I mean, let's say if you had to pick one person, and it could include yourself, but if you had to pick one person, you believe was truly enlightened or had reached this great sense of enlightenment that I think so many people aspire to in the spiritual world. Is there anyone you would name to that effect that you really think got it? It's a good question. I know, take your time. That's a difficult question, I think, because... Because it may be no one. Yeah, because I think most of the people that you think of and, and, you know, they, in in order to come back and and teach to you, they, they generally, you know... They have to sort of give it up, and so I've always liked this concept. There, there's this concept of that you know the the Buddha becomes enlightened, and then he refuses it. He refuses it. He turns it away and says, "I I will not be enlightened until everybody, until all conscious beings are are freed." Interesting. And he comes, okay. And, and so and so then he comes back and teaches. So then the question is, even even Buddha himself, you know, if you were to ever actually meet him on the street. <laughs> there's a there's a saying about this, right? That if you, if you if you meet Buddha on the street, you should kill him. <laughs> well, I've <laughs> never heard that before. It's a it's a it's a thing. But uh, but the point is that that if you were to meet him in that moment that you met him on the street, uh, he would not be enlightened, right? Because he, he chose he chose to turn away. He chose to to wait, right? So the idea the idea that you can somehow persist in enlightenment. Is, is an interesting one because I think inevitably you end up falling back and you have to kind of bring it back and, and it's just like with the drugs, right? Where you go and you have this mystical experience you then have to bring it back and integrate it with the world. Right. I think it's interesting that so many of the characters in our spiritual stories and beliefs whether it's Jesus on the cross or saints being stoned they seem to have these terrible deaths which somehow helped that enlightenment to reach where they, when they, we talk about Jesus suffering on the cross, it's so that he's suffering on behalf of all of us, right? It's a concept. And he's, he's taking that on, that burden. But when you, what I find is interesting about the Buddha, beyond the fact in the beginning he leaves his family and his kids and everything behind, he just wanders off to, to pursue this better path. But in the end of the story, he like dies from, he has some bad chicken or something. He dies from food poisoning. I always thought it was a really anticlimactic ending for such an interesting figure, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, the the finite mortal world is is like that though, right? Yes, you can it's, die from chicken nuggies. You can nuggies. die from chicken nuggies. <laughs> That's right. And, and so, I, again, like I say, it, it's not about the, you know, are you enlightened? I, I always like the. Um, I, I prefer. I prefer the the, the Jimi Hendrix. You know, are yes. you experienced? Yes. Which means, like, you know, have you ever been experienced? You, you know who I. You know who I think is enlightened. I, I definitely have a. In fact, I did a painting to this effect. We were just speaking about chicken nuggies and the Buddha. I actually painted Baby Yoda on a lotus with his little cup of tea as the Buddha because I do think. And this applies actually even for like someone like Yoda or the Jedi Masters in Star Wars. They are these very enlightened 
beings. So, Would so you it's agree? So, so, so yeah. Well, so, I know it's just so a let, let's, movie, let's, but let's, let's you know. explore this concept a little more because yeah, it's I think one it's, that's, that's I think close Star to my Wars heart. has a lot of so, things in it for it. Yeah, lots of spirituality. So, so certainly, when you when you encounter Yoda for the first time in Empire Strikes Back, which I believe today or yesterday is the 40th anniversary of it, so is it? It's very timely. So you you meet Yoda, and he is this wise, it's but, a hermit, but, but right? somewhat weird. He's you know, really because, weird because apparently, you know, in order to be enlightened, you have to be weird, and and that's and that's kind of what we know as as Yoda. There are these movies that they claim are, are prequels, and in these prequels, you, <laughs> they you, claim you have, a, you have a very different Yoda who who is not enlightened. I haven't. I mean, I think as a child, I grew up during the prequels. You know, so, when I grew up, I to, the things I got to in the cinema was you know, Jabba Jabba Binks, yes. which was awful. Apparently, really I just learned traumatizing. something actually the other day. Yes. Um, that apparently the original design for Jar Jar Binks was a giant rabbit. That's super interesting. Yeah, I didn't I, know that. I can actually pull up a picture because it was just. Okay, I, I want to. I want to see ago. this. So I'm thinking we're going to have to have a whole episode of a podcast dedicated to Star Wars. Right. It just occurred to me. Possibly skipping the prequels. So my next question right? for you. So is- oh, I see it. In in fact, you know what that rabbit looks like. I'll show you after the podcast. It's an interesting thing, but you guys can't see what we're looking at, so I won't bore you with it. My next question for you, going back to the universe topic, is can you tell us a little bit about string theory? <laughs> well, so again, what happens... We were talking about is, the weaving earlier is yeah, my yeah, thought yeah. of no, it. No, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's a good thing. So the, the idea is um, that when we get down below sort of subatomic particles, right... There, there, there is sort of the, the the sense that there needs to be something else under that, right? To show, to describe, you know, why some particles are one one kind and some particles are another kind, and so one of the explanations for that is that in fact you can, and, and it's more of a, it's more of an analogy than it is an actual, you know, we don't we don't necessarily you can't necessarily imagine it as a string, but you can imagine a string and you can imagine it having different vibrational. Uh, yes, energies too. like a spider web. Uh, a little it bit vibrates, but moves. but just imagine just a, a nice linear string, and it has okay. and it has a wave in it, so it has some vibration. Okay, to it, yeah, right. And so the idea is that by using this as a metaphor, we can we can kind of you know use that to talk about how we get quarks and 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 how they quarks. and how they and how they build up other other particles. So it has to do with that very sort of low level sub subatomic physics, if you will. So there's not really there's no, it's not one of those again it's not one of those things that people just go around writing stories about oh you know I, I I'm going to imagine a universe that's made of strings it's because it's because what happens is that you take a bunch of measurements and you and you have a bunch of theory and you you do equations and whatnot and there are things that don't quite fit right and there's experimental results that don't don't quite work and then and then you then you hypothesize the string as opposed to the you know the universe is built on turtles. You know, the, you know, right, I've heard story, that. It's right. very Discworld. And then, and then, and Terry and Patrick, then, uh, Discworld, and yeah. And then, uh, the, you know, the woman's like, aha, you're trying to fool me, but it's turtles all the way down. So so it's not, that's not how science works. Science works very much in the sense of, you know, we, we, we do experiments, we collect information, and then when things don't fit with our theory, we then have to expand our theory and come up with sort of new things. And I, and I think that's an important lesson to learn about the way science works is that, Absolutely. Is that it, it is very much designed around the idea of of proving ourselves wrong of failing we actively have to be able to fail you you have a hypothesis it it fails and then you go well okay what 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 does that mean and then you have to go and come up with a new theory that incorporates that new amount of evidence 
So I, I always am a little skeptical when you find people that are, are, are sort of willing to, to skip that step and just go right to the turtles, you know, without actually having a reason to bring the turtle into existence. Right. Right. And so going back to your question about the reverse time universe sort of thing, um, there are there are several other explanations for for how these particles come about, including just error. We made it wrong without having to leap to parallel universes Versus all next of a sudden. Thing. But I do think parallel universes are more exciting. And I was thinking about earlier, you know, when I asked you, you know, who do you think is enlightened? I suddenly thought, you know who I think's enlightened? Who, who do you think's enlightened? I think that Patrick Stewart, Jean-Luc Picard, is actually a pretty enlightened yeah, he's chap he's yeah. got something going on there that gives him his otherworldly yeah. well, quality so and it's not just his though, acting what, how would you define enlightenment right i think i think for me personally i think it's a different definition for every single individual i think that enlightenment is this concept where you reach this state of nirvana or bliss where you know you have all this knowledge and understanding to the point that you know that none of it really matters and you've learned everything and you've done all these things only to see you're just a drop of water in the river. And you, and you I think it's beautiful. I think he has it, yes, 100%, I do. So now comes actually a big question and one that I think about a lot and I'm kind of glad I have you here to talk about it. I feel like you're the rocket scientist man to talk about this. Dark matter... Tell us about dark matter and what you think it is, because so, it's this mysterious stuff, right? Right. So when I was when I was in uh, when, when I was in college, I, I, I started out as a freshman, and I and I had already taken uh, AP Physics. Uh, a, uh, right, BC and for other so, other people listening, the AP is kind of yeah, like advanced a, placement. So I'd right? already, already taken two semesters of, of college physics, and so I started out as a freshman, and I had to take this third term of modern physics, and I ended up taking the honors class. Uh, mainly because the the regular uh, physics three class, everybody in aerospace engineering had to take it, and it was just this enormous class. I mean, it was you know three hundred people lecture. Crazy. Um, so I was like, ah, I don't want any part of that. I'm a smart guy. I'll go take honors physics. So I took honors physics three with like you know ten people or something like that. I ended up getting a, a, an A plus in the class, and I wrote my I actually wrote my dissertation on parallel universes. Nice. Yeah. And in fact, I wrote, so so the, the you know so at the end of the term, rather than taking a test or anything, we had to write a, a paper. Basically, so I wrote my paper on parallel universes, and the the professor actually wrote on it. He said it would be an insult to say that this, uh, you know, um, raises bullshit to an art, art form. form. I, I remember I, I this. Prefer, I prefer to think of it as an artful blend of physics and mysticism. My dad, my dad, who is an actual physicist, thought this was the funniest thing, and, and photocopied it and sent it to his friends <laughs> and whatever. But anyway, the point so is, yeah, you tell would, us, give us a what, what, what is, you would ask me at the time. people listening, what is dark right, matter? So, so I'm, yeah. I'm getting there. This is all part of my story, okay. because I was going to explain that at the time, if you had asked me, uh, you know, do we know everything in the universe, and do we have, you know, physics for it, I would have said yes, except for at the very, the very low end, the strings, right? That's where we don't quite know everything, is at that little okay. tiny thing. But otherwise, we have a pretty good grasp on it, right? Right. So then, you know, a decade or so later, we, you know, people set up some satellites and we did some measurements and we measured, you know, how fast the universe is expanding and, and some other sort of experiments. And, and what we found out at the end of the day is that there is a vast amount of, of, of mass, of matter in the universe um, in order to account for these measurements that we've come up with for uh, accelerations. And, and it turns out that, you know, 
All of that, all of that universe that we know everything about that we thought that we, we thought knew we everything about, about makes up about four and a half percent of the universe, right? And then there's other stuff, which is right, and the other stuff is dark matter and dark energy. And so, what dark matter basically is is something that has gravity, right? So it, it interacts with things, you know, that that sort of not mechanically, but but gravitationally, it has mass, it right? It has mass, but it doesn't interact with light, so it's dark. I right? think it kind of has an ominous sort does, of sound right? to it, it dark amazing. matter. And, and, and the thing is that what, what I really like about it is because we don't actually know anything about it or how all this stuff works. I, I, I sort of sort of look at it as, as perhaps this is the, the opening to allow all of the, the magic and, and mystical things to come in. You know, this is this is their this is their opportunity. Love that. Right. And that maybe this is what it's all about. And that. You know this this because a lot of a lot of magic is is about action at a distance and, and and whatnot. Perhaps you know that action occurs through through you know a dark matter uh, you know conduit. So this leads actually into my next question, which is and and as someone who's a scientist, do you believe that you can be both scientific and metaphysical? Ah, so that's a very good question. Uh, and my answer to this is is to talk a little bit about alchemy, right? So great. So I'm, I'm sure this is a topic for it's another. It's going to be a whole episode. It's funny but, you say that. But, but but a lot of people look at alchemy as sort of like you know science gone wrong, and that somehow these were these were foolish people who did who did chemistry and but didn't really know what they were doing. Um, you know, in, in fact, you know uh, there there were plenty of charlatans. There are still plenty of charlatans out there, make no mistake. Uh, but the idea that they were actually trying to develop processes and, and methods that were that were reproducible, that they could that they could describe, that they could reduce to symbols, I, I think that's you know uh, a, a very beautiful thing. And, and at the time, these were all very much men of faith. And 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 to be honest, all scientists up until you know the. You know the Victorian era were in fact men of faith. They were doing all their experiments not because they were trying to undermine the church or something like that, but because they were fascinated by this universe that that their God had created for them, and right. they wanted to learn more about it. and they, And they believed that it was very much a blessing that they could do so. And so, when you look at it, you look at things like you know when you look at Galileo and 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 Copernicus and these people, they got in a lot of trouble for their beliefs and and you know paid the ultimate price for it in some cases. Right. Um, right. You know they were still men of faith, and they still saw the the sort of the beauty of it. And now, as far as you know, I, I think you have to be, this is again. I'm going to ask you to you sort of define your terms, right? Because metaphysics, you know, sort of implies that it's not physics, right? That it that it somehow is something that's not quite physics, right? I tend to believe that at the end of the day, you know, uh, magical things will have a, an actual. Real repercussion, right? Yeah. So you know, I think no, it's, I tend uh, to agree with I think that it's Asimov too. who says something like, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And certainly, even now, you know, the ability to to you know to, to do wireless communication and to have these phones that we have, these are in you know anybody from a previous generation would find say this it was magical, magic, right? Yes. So, so I think that when we talk about you know metaphysics. You know that that's kind of the direction that I tend to lead in is that there is something there cool. that is that is rational and is explainable at the end of the day, and it's just that we don't know certain key things. I, I actually I actually hold that exact same belief when it comes to the paranormal. We'll have a lot of episodes discussing ghosts and things in the future, but I very much believe a lot of it is science. 
that just has yet to be explained. Right. I mean, it all has natural explanations to it. And I guess the, the ultimate question here is, will we ever truly know what the universe is, or is it so beyond us that we may never know? It's an interesting question. There, There's a particular brand of, of mysticism where, where they actually believe that the whole purpose of the universe is actually for it to observe itself. And then, it, in fact, you know, the idea is that there once was a hole, this hole has to break just in order so that it can look at itself, so that it can observe itself. But, like a mirror. But, but fundamentally... It it's can, a very, it would make the universe a very vain right. creature. But, but that's right. Observing well, no, itself I, I think, I think in that's right. fractions of and different people. Here I am as a right, serial killer. Right, right, Here right. I am as a blonde but bombshell. One, but one thing that we've learned is that you know, that act of observation influences the universe, right? So this is going back to the Schrodinger's cat thing. How so? The idea, the idea is that that cat is in superposition until somebody looks at it. So, so, it, so, it, so it's actually, it's not just that it, it doesn't actually even split into two universes, you know, until somebody actually takes a peek. Otherwise, it's in superposition, and there's only there's only one universe. There's only one. It's just it's just intertwined. And so this idea that somehow there would be some sort of deity or, or divine, you know, divine observational being, force right. that's looking at it, you know, it, it certainly be- it's, is, it certainly you know? it certainly begs the question that you know is does their observation of this universe change it? And so, can they ever actually look at the the truth of it? Right. You know what often scares me, and I watch the show Outlander a lot, and it deals with time travel and repercussions and how one thing you can do can ultimately change the future. I always well, fear... Well, you haven't actually seen that yet. No, not. but it's definitely but, but, but dab- concept, it's dabbling concept, with yeah. it. I always have this fear when we talk about multiple universes and that any, any decision you make creates a separate path that you're on. Maybe there's another version of yourself that's chosen a different outcome and you think maybe you tripped down the stairs and broke your neck this morning and that right. and there's a world in which perhaps that really happened right. Right. and you just happen to be living in this one and your and your choices matter now this leads into my next question is it, is it about we, the most recent rick and morty episode oh yes that was great i love no i know that was a great episode your choices matter and they do have repercussions so this leads in we're really going down the rabbit hole now so prepare yourselves this leads into simulation theories right. and the concept that perhaps we are all living inside a very realistic version of Second Life. So this, nice is, this is actually something that's that's very close to my my heart because in uh, in in my rocket science world, when I when I was a rocket scientist, my my career, my entire focus was actually on simulation. Right, so I I am a simulation guy. The, Which, for people listening, spent you would what like yeah, make so, rocket simulations? Right, so the the idea would be that we computer? would so there's a computer that that runs the spacecraft, and these are mostly for things going into deeper space, like you know Mars and whatnot. Right, and and so the idea is that there's a computer in there, and it's a brain, right? And so in order to test it, we have to actually take that brain and and give it all the same inputs that it would get as if it were really flying to Mars, right? So that we can then test it out and, and, and make sure that it's going to do the right thing. Right. So for a very long time, simulation was was, was my, my thing. And so when, when the movie, The Matrix, came out, right. I was totally into this, right? In fact, not only that, you know, there, there's a whole branch of, of uh, uh, philosophy that I got into that is based on this. Um, and and there's, a, there's a book that's actually, it actually shows up in The Matrix. He actually, when you remember the scene when... Um, Neo has to go and he has to get some sort of like, you know, USB key or something like this from a book. And there's a fake book on his shelf. And what's the book? The book is actually called uh, Simulcra and Simulation. And, and it's a, and it's a, you know, 
a philosophical text that talks about these various concepts about, you know, what is real, what is simulated in, in a little more, you know, uh, a little more subtle terms than what they, what they present in the matrix. But this idea has come back very recently. In fact, even uh, Elon Musk himself has, uh, has raised questions about the fact that we could very well be living in a simulation. And I think the point is, the interesting thing is not so much whether we are or are not living in Second Life. The question is, you know, um, how would you those know? Those of you that don't know, Second Life was a game uh, about a decade ago. It was very popular. I think it's still around. I think it's still around too, where you could have a virtual avatar, kind of like The Sims, where you'd live your own life. And I've actually always favoured this concept that perhaps we are in a simulation, which I know to some people would be a very disheartening or depressing thing, but I think it would be a wonderful well, concept again, the of the potential is, you know, in it. How would you know that it's real? And what, what difference would it make to you? Like, if you did find out that it wasn't real, is that better or worse? It reminds me of a Rick and Morty episode where we're like, that sounds like slavery with steps. <laughs> Great episode. <laughs> but yeah, so so it's an interesting, it's an interesting question about, and, and, but I guess the question is, is I think a simulated universe is still a universe. And, it and is. I, so I, what, I, may, yeah, what, what gives someone the right to say that our one would be less valid than a simulation you'd create? And sometimes I think for people on here who may play MORPGs or who have played World of Warcraft, I think for some people when they're living those lives inside of those games, it feels very real. And that's real time that they're spending with other conscious beings. And so just because your avatar may be flesh and bone or pixelated, what is really the difference there? Right. I it's mean, still it, life. Especially since you're not really going to be exploring that anytime soon. Like, you don't get to open yourself up and look inside and see all the things that make you tick, right? So at the end of the day, you only have a, a finite amount of, exper- uh, of senses. And, you know, whether those senses are being faked or not. I mean, this right. Is, this is the whole Descartes, you know, uh, you know, the... the the demon, right? You know, you know about this, and then it gets later on put into the, you know, the brain in a vat. You're you're, you're familiar right, with this as, right. a, as a philosophical notion, right? The idea that somehow you're just a brain in a vat, and we're just feeding you, you know, inputs. And and, and De- in Descartes' time, there was no such thing. And his idea was, you know, how do I know that there's not some evil demon who is fooling me, you know, and and basically feeding me all these things, but it's not real. And, right. then, and the point is, at the end of the day, you know. Does it really matter? Does it really matter? And here's the thing is, I can tell you right now, I, and this will sound insane to start with, but follow me, I, in my spare time, go to other universes. And by this, I mean, sorry, my parrot is crawling in my lap. By this, I mean, (laughs) Crowley, when I go to sleep at night and I have a dream, I often do something called lucid dreaming. Let me move. I'm going to, Daniel, do you want to take this parrot from me? So this is Crowley. He's our macaw, our pet macaw, and he's sitting on the back of a chair so let's just leave him be but when I go to sleep you know I dream and when I dream sometimes I do something called lucid dreaming and that's where you're consciously aware while you're in the dream state and it is a bit like a simulation because you're not in the real world if you have you've obviously all of you and hopefully most of you have had dreams so you know what that feels like and sometimes dreams can be very realistic and I'm going to have a whole episode just dedicated to lucid dreaming actually because I find it to be so fascinating but to me that universe is just as real sometimes even if not more real than this one so what makes makes it a universe though is it just that these are your experiences yeah but I'm 
there, but I, I meet other people, I have conversations. I can. Right. The laws of physics don't apply to that universe. I can change the terrain at the whim of a thing. I can move myself or go in. I can fly. I can do things that I would be restricted by in real Speaking life. Speaking of flying. Speaking of flying, Crowley just flew onto my shoulder. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. I want to take a moment for thanking all of you for tuning in and listening to us and hanging out with us. We're going to try and do this podcast more frequently. If you have any... With less Crowley. No, there'll be Crowley in it. If you have any ideas for episode content, please let us know. We'd absolutely love to hear. And we appreciate you guys. Any last words? No. Have a wonderful time. And that's a wrap. Mm-hmm.